0: Hey friends, this is Fun Therapy, and my name is Mike Foster, and together we're going to dive into the messy and the brutal, but oh-so-beautiful parts of our not-so-perfect stories, and we're going to do it with a smile. You see, in the the midst of the messiness of your life and whatever you're navigating right now, you are loved. You are loved, and you are loved, and I could say it a trillion times, but only You have the power to accept it, to invite love into your story. You and only you have the power to welcome it or reject it. And so, friend, let this be your moment of lowering your resistance and invite love to stay a while. My name is Mike Foster, and this is Fun Therapy. Friends, I'm sitting here drinking a flat white latte and just thinking about you because I just returned from a few speaking engagements over the past couple weeks and had the chance to meet some of you. And I got to tell you, it's so fun for me to be able to do that. And if I haven't met you, I hope one day that I get to meet you too and uh, just tell you in person how much. I appreciate you. You Maybe at a speaking engagement, we'll do it uh, perhaps in an airport. That happens a lot. <laughs> maybe at a Chick-fil-A or wherever we may run into each other, maybe the strongest workshop. I don't know where we'll get to me, but I hope to one day just tell you how much I do appreciate you and appreciate you being a part of this fun therapy community. I want to quickly... Remind you about the Brain Detox 7-Day Guide that I have at my website. It's a simple guide to tidy up your brain and utilize some simple practices to have a calmer, clear, and less cluttered brain. Who doesn't need that, right? I know I do. Uh, it's at my website at mikefoster.tv and it's, you'll see it there on the homepage. It's called Brain Detox. It's totally free and you can start right away and I'd love for you to pick that up, the Brain Detox Seven-Day Guide. It's at my website, mikefoster.tv. Also wanna say the best way to support fun therapy, I've said it before, but to rate and review it on iTunes. It helps the Apple algorithms and all those technical things, and it it helps people, new people, find us. So if you don't mind, take 60 seconds and uh, do that. So, on this episode of Fun Therapy, I am joined by my friend Summer, who is a talented film producer, social justice advocate, and raising two precious kids with her husband. So, Summer and I, we sit down and we talk about her inability to forgive herself for an extramarital affair that happened a few years ago. And now in this episode of Fun Therapy with my friend Summer Wright.
1: The last five, six years of my life have been this crazy journey of coming back into myself. Um, about five years ago, I was in a career that I loved and in working with people that I was inspired by and respected and felt like I had just kind of started to see the life that I had been working towards take shape, could just start to see it come into clear vision. And in that process, I was also feeling the weight of my heart, some emptiness, some brokenness, some pain, some confusion really coming to the surface. And so I had these two simultaneous things happening, um, great excitement and joy and wonder at the opportunities that I had, but also this profound sadness, wrestling, uncertainty in my heart. Mm. Um, um, I was working for a private foundation as a consultant and working in some conflict areas in East and Central Africa and was on my way for a trip to start a new project and really remembered asking God that on this trip I was going to be gone for three to four weeks. I really needed some breakthrough. Um, Definitely felt the challenge of my work. My work was, was very pioneering, very risky and uncertain, which I loved, but I also needed to feel this personal turmoil, just some clarity there and some breakthrough. And so in the midst of all that, I'm in a very challenging situation, you know, sleeping in a tent with helicopter parts and like in a very remote part of Africa and loving every bit of it. And, but still feeling the wrestling of all this. And in the midst of it there, I um, had met someone and ended up Uh, having an affair um, for, I mean, I don't know that time frame even matters because betrayal is betrayal, but had an affair for a short time and watched my life implode after that. Um, Had to walk away from my career, almost lost my marriage. And that set me on a path of profound healing, but in the midst of it completely losing myself. And, um, I feel like since then a part of me died then, and I can't find that part of me. And it's a big part of me. It's the passionate, confident sense of purpose and knowing, and this is who I am. And this is what I carry into the world. I lost that. And so it has been a bit of a wandering journey for me the last five to six years Um, Do you want to ask anything from that part?
0: Yeah. What's been the the hardest part of that wandering for you?
1: I think the feeling lost and stuck and feeling the weight of shame in my life and it also feeling true that I brought it upon myself. Mm. That the fact that I went from a time of incredible like, joy and excitement and um, expectancy for my life to be launched into this place of absolute pain, complete uncertainty, complete embarrassment, shame, lowest of the low, and feeling like all of that was my fault. That I made one choice in my life that not only hurt me, potentially for the rest of my life, but hurt people I love the most. Um, And feeling a bit wide-eyed and unsure of how I ended up there because it happened so quickly. Um, I've said to people who have gone through similar things, I feel like I was drunk driving and I got into a car accident with my husband in the passenger seat and we both were almost fatally killed Mm. and it was my fault. That, that is how how out of control, but in control I felt. Um, so it's been hard knowing how to deal with shame, how to heal from shame, how to accept forgiveness, how to accept God's forgiveness, but I think more than that, my own forgiveness, mm-hmm. and feel the freedom to walk in redemption. It, it just feels like, well, you, you did this, so... Every cause and effect that you're, every ramification you're dealing with right now is kind of your fault. So you kind of just need to deal. Hmm. Um, and it's it's held me down. I yeah.
0: How do you feel about that unforgiveness that you show towards yourself? Like, what is it about that that you believe?
1: Unforgiveness has been a very close friend, <laughs> enemy friend. Um, it has been the thing that I've been able to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much sadness attached to it because I can take a step back from myself and think, your heart was so good. You you were so excited, and you were doing the best you knew how to do, and you loved your husband, and this wasn't a, I deserve and I am entitled to, and it, this was not a calculated, premeditated moment. This was a moment of weakness that came out of nowhere to me, and all of a sudden, I found myself in a place that I would have never expected. I saw things come out of me in my heart and my belief about what who I am and who my husband is and... Um, that surprised me. And so there's, it's a delicate dance for me because I, I feel, I know in my brain and I know based on my theology and based on a lot of great counselors that I was forgiven the second I asked for it, in the midst of it, I, That that was done. But I struggle. I don't know how to entirely forgive myself and to say, yeah, you made a mistake, but it's not who you are. It doesn't have to define the rest of your life. Um,
0: You mentioned hiding behind the unforgiveness. Yeah. What do you think you're hiding from?
1: I think what I'm hiding from is bringing my full self back into full view Mm -hmm. for me and for the world, Mm -hmm. whether my world is my family or anybody else. I think that it's, I feel like I can remain anonymous, remain hidden, do the work that I do now, get by. If I can just be a good wife, be a good mom, maybe not make too many waves, I'll be okay. And I think that holding on to the unforgiveness empowers that. And so if I actually start believing that I'm forgiven and I start to believe or actually operate out of an authentic belief that no, you're forgiven and that should not dictate your way forward, then I have to bring my full self. I have to bring my authentic truth of who I am into the world and live again. And that's scary.
0: Perhaps the question for Summer right now is, Not how do I forgive myself or why should I forgive myself? But really the question would be, what will I be accountable to if I do forgive myself? Did you catch what she said? She said, unforgiveness has been a close friend, enemy and friend. And it's been something that she's been able to hide behind. The holding on to unforgiveness, it simply justifies us living small and denying our passions. It is the perfect excuse for not following after our dreams and taking risks again. As Summer put it, unforgiveness is a close friend who allows her to hide her true self. Friends, what might it look like For us to stop loving and partnering with unforgiveness, what might it look like to break up with shame and step back into who we were meant to be? That is not only the question for summer, but is the question for all of us. We'll be right back in just a moment. So, before we get back to my conversation with Summer, I wanted to share that my two day workshop is coming up, and I would love for you to join me and about 40 amazing other people from all around the country. It's part group therapy, part strategies to unlock wholeness and strength. It's life boot camp meets a warm, loving hug for your soul. And maybe you've read the self-help books and follow all the inspirational Instagram accounts, and you've tried to fix it on your own, but you're still feeling stuck. Well, I'd love for you to come to the strongest workshop. Spend two days with me. It's, It's sort of like fun therapy on steroids and honestly has the potential to shift almost everything in your life right now for the better. All the info is at my website at mikefoster.tv, or you can go directly to mikefoster.tv forward slash workshop. The uh, workshop, by the way, is almost 50% sold out. So don't wait, I'd love to see you there. And now let's dive back into the conversation with Summer.
1: I was a very passionate kid, very full of dreams, very ambitious, believed I could do anything I wanted to do, and that my life was going to actually improve the lives of others. I knew it in the core of me. Um, And that was from a very, very young age. And there was a point, I think, in college where I was really wrestling with what am I called to do? I grew up in the Assemblies of God, and it was beat into you that you have one calling, God has called you to do one thing and your life's work is to figure out what that is and do it well. (laughs) And so Mm. I am someone that I'm not wired to only be good at one thing. And I love a lot of things. And so I felt like a failure all the time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I I have to find the one, you know? And so I really struggled with that in college. And I remember asking my dad, like, I I would love to do this or I'd love to do that. And I feel like I got to do this one thing, but it's gotta be like big and profound because I feel like I'm called to something big. And my dad said to me, you should probably be okay with being small. Mm You should probably find a way to just be okay with just the simple, the small, because you, you might not get the big. And I remember thinking somehow that made me feel like my heart and my desire to make a great impact was wrong and it was selfish. And so I think that's where it started for me. And then over the course of my life, I've experienced a lot of not good things in my life. Painful, painful, heart-wrenching loss, trauma. I probably struggle from PTSD in some regard, but I I think the more my life kept unfolding with me running towards this great thing that I wanted to do with my life or just great life that I wanted to have, and around every corner, something would cut me off at the knees or something would rip my heart out. Um, there'd be something I'd have to heal from. And I think I just started to adopt a belief that this must be the life that was allocated to me from God.
0: Mm. You've been hearing this message for a long time. Yeah,
1: that you can, your dreaming, your ambition, your pure heart to want to, I mean, the things I want to do are, you know, find the most broken of people and help their lives be better. And that's a real general sense, but that is where I find life and joy. Mm -hmm. And so even feeling like it's a pure, I think, godly calling in a way, um, that that's something that I desire. So it must not be good. Mm. And it's selfish to really want to run hard after that. And that even if I did and it's not selfish, something's going to happen in your life to prevent it.
0: So what do you believe about your needs and your desires?
1: They're always secondary or even last or non-existent. I, I think that it's only been since we met in November and some of the healing over the last of the course year, uh, course of the five years, but I don't even think I recognized that I had needs. Hmm. I think from a very young age, I've learned to operate from a place of your life is up to you. No one's going to care for you. No one's going to give you anything that you need. And so try not to have a lot of needs and you're just going to have to be strong. You're going to have to carry the weight of whatever it is you're going through on your own and be okay with that. And so I, I don't know that I've given a lot of attention to needs that I have. And and then learning how to ask for help or fulfillment from others Mm -hmm. in my needs.
0: It like a lot lot to carry. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the weight of carrying what you're carrying right now.
1: It's very lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I, I have only ever known how to just be okay you just suck it up. You, you just, if you're, if you're gonna make it, if you're gonna have any semblance of any kind of a life that you want, you're just gonna have to like learn to deal with a lot and not need a lot and not feel a lot, mm-hmm. which is so heartbreaking because I believe that God gave me a heart with high capacity for feeling. And so I've been working against that my whole life. Don't feel a lot, don't need a lot. Don't express a lot. I was told a lot growing up to, you're you're too much. You you dream too big. You challenge things too much. I used to get in trouble in church all the time for asking big, bold questions. Like, no, you just need to fall in line. And so I think I just, I have cut my heart off. Um, So learning to live from my heart has been completely foreign, terrifying. I feel like I'm learning to walk for the first time and I don't trust it. Especially after the affair, I don't trust it because I felt like my heart was pure and in a really good place. And I caused so much pain and I lost everything. And so to learn to trust my intuition, my heart, that it's good and that I can follow its lead feels really, really scary to me.
0: When you live a belief system that says, you're just gonna have to be strong. You're just gonna have to carry the weight. You're just gonna have to suck it up. When you constantly deny your needs and cut your heart off. Your heart will reach for things, sometimes toxic and destructive things in order for it to feel alive for just a moment. You see, these things are not disconnected in summer's life, honoring our needs, communicating our needs, knowing what matters to us and living into that is not only the pathway to wholeness, but strengthens our lives to make everyday healthy decisions. Shutting down your heart, overriding your needs will only lead to more hurt. I know right now some of you are listening to Summer's story and saying, that is me too. I've been taught to suck it up and don't dream big and just be strong and my needs are not important. And you know it is deadening your heart and is only leading you on a road to experiencing more pain. But friend, here's the good news. You don't have to live this way. Do you blame your heart for the affair? or do you see the affair as a mistake?
1: It definitely was a mistake. I I can, counseling has helped me (laughs) to see it for what it is. That there was a lot of um, fractured parts of my heart, a lot of incorrect, faulty beliefs. There was a lot that led up to that moment. but I, I have to remind myself that my heart was not bad,
0: mm-hmm.
1: though I made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. It, it is still a conscious reminder. It, it isn't a unspoken, deep in the soul of me truth yet. Um, that's still something I'm growing in.
0: So your heart is speaking truth, Though sometimes when it says things to you that are true, you're like, I'm not sure if I believe you.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, how do you think that serves you?
1: <laughs> not well. Not well. It's exhausting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's hard because I feel like in my innocence, I I used to feel so... Dependent on my heart. I was led by it. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like the one thing that was my ally. It was like the Holy Spirit in my heart. Like we could do this together because it, it, I felt very alone in a lot of ways. I felt very different than a lot of people and wanted different things. And so at least I had my integrity and my intuition and my God next to me to kind of help me navigate my life. And when I betrayed my heart and betrayed my husband and betrayed myself, it I, I just lost my ability to trust myself. Hmm. To even trust, was this work actually what you wanted to do? Do you really hmm. even care about helping people? Do you even really care about loving someone else? Should you even be married? Are you even a good candidate to be a wife to someone hmm. and nurture and care? Could you ever be a good mom? or are you just, going to screw that up. I mean, it really, really did me over. So
0: if your heart, you described your heart as an ally, Mm -hmm. then who's the enemy? Or what is the enemy?
1: I think if I was to call my heart an ally now, which I don't know that I could do that honestly now,
0: do you believe that it's an ally, though? Yes. It's part of your true self. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. yeah. I know that in my mm-hmm. knowing. Um, I feel like shame and the mm-hmm. false self is my enemy.
0: So tell me about that.
1: I I've learned, I've learned over the last five years that that me choosing to allow shame to be the loudest voice in my life and to blur my vision constantly, to take my vulnerability and my deep desire to just be who I am and discover what that looks like now in my life, um, I, I listening to shame has completely paralyzed me. Mm. And that's no that's nobody's fault. And I don't know that anybody can get me out of that except for. Having a support system and incredible friends that remind me of truth and point to my true self to help me recognize it. Um, that's what I'm trying to practice is how do I even recognize what's, what is true self because I haven't seen her in a very long time. Mm. And then how do I trust her and invite her in to stay yes. <laughs> and not run away and not be hidden and not shrink back? Yes. Um, It is a process that I am fumbling through, but I'm in, which is good.
0: (laughs) What is, It's kind of the primary message that shame tells you now over the the years? Like what is the?
1: I think especially right now, because I'm in this place of really wanting to make a shift career-wise really wanting to get back into work that my heart gets excited about. Mm. I could really have finally permitted myself to feel that that is what I desire. I think shame has been telling me, well, you had your shot. Like you, uh, you literally, you, you were right there and you screwed it up, so why do you think you deserve another shot? And why would you even try? It, it, it just confuses things again for me and it tries to pull any part of me that feels hopeful, that feels a little strength and a little confidence um, and a little sense of like, no, like your life is meant to be lived fully. Let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. We can do this.
0: Um, and who's saying that? My heart. Your heart. My
1: heart is saying Truth. that. My true self. Yes. I have to believe God is saying that to me, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and my friends are saying that to me. I feel like there's people rallying around me, but shame has been the dictator of my life for so long mm. that he stands up and he's like, Well, you don't really get that again. That's mm. nice. If you want to go down that for a little bit, that's okay. But you don't you don't really get to live a life that you want you thrive in.
0: How how loud would you say that, that voice the shame voice? What do you
1: I think it depends on the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think when I don't um, care for myself well, and I don't give myself space to experience God, rest, when when I'm not uh, positioning myself well the way that I know that I need to, it's very loud. Yeah. And it I can find myself going right back into a place of, it's fine. I can find other outlets. I can volunteer maybe somewhere. I just start making excuses for the life I wanna live and pursue.
0: What, what's the most convincing argument that shame uses with you?
1: I think shame, because I've always had this strong conviction to just want to live the best life that God created me for, like from, from young, young, that's all I wanted. God, just show me what you want me to do. I just wanna know that I've lived my life well here on this earth. Mm-hmm. So I think shame knows me really well. And so brings it back to my connection to God. And it, I a I, I long time came to this belief of, you were just born to live a life that will never fully be what you want it to be. And so that is the most convincing argument. Like, It comes to this like bigger, grander God thing for me of you're just unfortunately not one of those people that are given the opportunity to live a full, thriving, beautiful life. You will have moments of that, but your life will be covered with pain, trauma, loss, and hardship. That is just the life that you will have. And so it, it comes back to my core beliefs. And that is, that's why it's so hard for me. Cause it's not just these like superficial, like, well you just don't deserve that or, or you just messed up. And so like, you just need to fall in line and be okay with this life. It comes to the core belief of, it attacks the core belief of, of what I know, who I know God to be and the way, the lens through which I see my whole life.
0: My guess is that perhaps this conversation may have pinged in something inside of you. Maybe you are having a problem forgiving yourself. Maybe you are stuck in unforgiveness. And maybe you see how this idea of unforgiveness is helping you just be safe. Maybe denying your heart has led to more pain in your life. Or perhaps you have believed a lie, just like Summer has, that a parent has planted inside of you that says, don't dream big. Don't take risks. Play it small. Be safe. Friends, take this awareness and maybe some of the things that have pinged inside of you and, and do something about it. React to it. Let it fuel change for you. This is the gift that you can give yourself today. I want to say thanks to uh, Sleeping At Last for the beautiful soundtrack of Fun Therapy. Make sure to rate and review the Fun Therapy podcast right now. Share it with your friends. Uh, Screen capture your phone right now and share it on your socials. Don't forget, get registered for the strongest workshop coming up. We have a spot for you. Make an investment today in your heart and your future story. All the details at mikefoster.tv. Let's say hi on Instagram at mikefoster2000. That's mikefoster2000. I'm posting stuff on a daily basis to help you live a healthier, more whole life. And remember, friends, no matter what has happened in your story, that your setbacks can become your superpowers and honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast.